Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Edible World podcast, where today you're going to find us with yellow fingers and milky stems. As weird as that sounds, we promise you it's normal, and you're going to find out why later on in this episode. I'm Michael, uh, the also known as the Dandy King. And I am Steve, the Lord of Lions, and welcome to the Dandelion episode. Yeah, we're coming at you from the field today with this one, folks. Yeah, we are sitting at a picnic table at a trailhead in a park here in Illinois, and uh, around us we have trees and birds and nature, and uh, we stepped through a puddle earlier, so wet feet as well. Yeah, man. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, it's got a nice breeze flowing through, too, so uh, let us know what you think the sound is. We think it's going to be pretty great. Um, but yeah, we're talking about dandelions today, and we walked through a whole field of them, kicking up the flowers, kicking up the... Um, the seeds and everything, they're kind of blowing past us as we sit here, too. Doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's just start off with talking a little bit about the, the scientific binomial and a little bit of the plant's history. Um, so the binomial is Taraxacum officinale, um, and the etymology of it is uh, kind of, it used to be called Den's Lions, or Dandelion is why it, it where we get Den's lions from, and that actually is because of the lion's teeth. And it's supposedly the they thought that the edges of the flower looked like lion's teeth. So I mean that's kind of an interesting fact. How uh, people throughout history have viewed different things in nature, like stars and flowers. You know, it's kind of interesting yeah. to see the the poeticism through that. And it's such a fascinating plant because uh, to our advantage, the whole thing is edible. The whole darn thing. Yeah. Yep, root to flower, even the seeds, it's incredible. Um, and that's actually why it grows so prolifically here. Um, it was brought over to America from uh, Europe and Asia um, as a food crop. So there's this whole history of love for this plant that has just been completely lost. Um, in fact, there's there's tons of history of it being eaten in Greece and Italy that is, you know, of, of written record. And there's actually tons of wild plants um, and a whole wild plant culture going on over there that is kind of underestimated here and there's just a beautiful butterfly floating right past us folks yeah, a monarch this is awesome this what is a so the cool. state the state butterfly that's right <laughs> so it was brought to north america by european colonizers as food and medicine crop um long history of use in europe um it's now actually naturalized in every single continent except antarctica yeah so food for us and food for the Honeybees. Yeah, and it's not just, uh, it's not qualified as an invasive technically either. It's been around so long that it's its considered naturalized in all these places. Yeah. So um, pe the people and the animals around have learned to use it and um, benefit from it, which it, is really cool. It's such a beneficial crop because it's, it's often the first thing that blooms, the mm -hmm. first thing that shows up, and that's why they brought it to kind of support that honeybee population. Uh, the honeybees... Uh, need need food too so uh, yep. those dandelions that pop up early sustain them and then us as well yeah <laughs> yep super super uh, densely nutritious plant um, so we're, let's talk about what it looks like to start with um, so we'll start with the most recognizable feature and that is in our opinion the flower um, it's just this bright golden beacon um, that you see you can see from hundreds of feet away uh, and it just is just the a really delightful thing to see, especially early on in the spring, whenever things are still kind of brown, not quite green yet, and then you just have this—you get little suns, like little suns in your yard. Yes, exactly. Hopefully, like, in your yard, don't use rays pesticides. of sunshine. Don't use pesticides. Up. No, don't. No pesticides. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then going down from the flower, um, it sits on this long, kind of reddish-colored stem, 
and uh, which emits a, like this milky substance whenever you break it, um, which is kind of why we brought up the milky stems in our intro. So yellow fingers, because actually the flower itself can stain really easily. Just I, I remember as a kid, we used to rub it on our cheeks to sure. give ourselves like yellow cheeks or whatever, yeah. doing what kids do. Do you think it's ever been used as like a food or like a clothing dye or anything? Because it, it does, it, it rubs off pretty easily. I wonder if you were to like try to extract that somehow. Yeah, uh, I imagine. To look into. Yeah, it, cool. it is. Yeah, it's it probably wouldn't be that strong of a dye. But if you wanted to make something just kind of like yellowish or tannish, I sure. imagine it would totally work. Um, and the flower is also really delicious as a tea. It's my favorite part of the plant personally. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we've all seen you on Instagram chowing down on handfuls of dandelion. <laughs> yep, that's where I get crazy, the name. The crazy guy. Yep. Um, no, the flower is definitely the best part. Um, and so down from the stem, we have this, um, what it, what is referred to as a basil rosette. And so that means it's got this uh, kind of blooming pattern to it. So you have all these leaves that come out from a center point. And so each plant can carry about, I think it's, um, I think it grows seven to 10 heads, each plant, maybe five to seven heads. Uh, obviously I've seen a lot of, this is one of those plants that kind of like really varies in its uh, oh, yeah. appearance. You know, some of them are really big, some of them are really small. Some of them have three flower heads. Some of them have 10 flower heads. Yeah. I mean, they're just all over the place. I have one growing on the side of my house right now that has, no joke, 14-inch leaves. Wow. It's just huge. Yeah. And I was like, should I save some seed and try to see if it grows another giant one, or is it random, you know? Um, know. It's It actually is kind of mostly uh, based on the environmental situation oh. that it's in. So if it's... If it doesn't have much competition, it's going to grow really big and it's going to grow out um, as opposed to if it has a little bit of competition and you're going to have it be tighter and taller. So this guy is sprouting from the cracks between my driveway mm -hmm. and the mulch on the side of my house. So he's like, he's just an overachiever. Yeah, that, that to me indicates a little bit of stress. So it's sure. stretching up really tall. Yeah, yeah. And it is. the the Even the actual flower stem itself is like... Probably close to two feet. Yeah. Like it's huge. Yeah, I walked by one on the, at a local park that was at least three feet tall. Like, I was standing next to it, and it was above my hip from sure. the ground. It was just, they, they just get so insanely tall, which is another really cool part of it because you're just growing a lot more food on one plant. Sure. I just took a bite of that stem right now. And, yeah. And, you know, I've, of course, I've had them before, but never, like, just on its own, you know. Sure. Uh, normally I'm, I'm chewing on them with you, uh, with the flower as well. The flower is really sweet. The stem has a just a delicious flavor. Like I could chop that up and use that in place of like, uh, you know, if I wanted something less aggressive than like a green onion or something along those lines. Oh, yeah. Or like to pickle or something. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah the, so the stems are completely hollow. So they also can serve as like a straw. Um, I've also, they're also known to be used for fiber. Excuse me, I believe. Um, so back down to the the basil rosette, um, sure. we're we're gonna take a look at these stems or these leaves here, and they kind of start out red right at the base, and then as they elongate, they have this tooth pattern to them, but just one uh, one stem through the middle of it. Um, so it's got this tooth pattern to it, and as I mean, is this your favorite part of the plant? This is absolutely my favorite part. So I feel we we were talking about this a little bit. So I feel like it's it's like lettuce and arugula had a baby. If you can find them young, so if you can find a small plant that's just sprouted, uh, you know, in its in its first year of infancy, probably um, those those greens are just great. And as the plant gets bigger, of course, they're going to be tougher. Might need a little bit of cooking, but if you can find a young plant, the 
uh, like the, the, just an addition to a salad or even, uh, you know, toss in olive oil, salt, pepper, maybe a little bit of mustard and mm-hmm. put it on top of a sandwich or something, oh, yeah. you know, like they're just so good. Yeah, um, I've seen recipes where you, and, and I've done it myself actually, where you take the crown of the plant, so that's just everything above the ground, mm-hmm. you cut it off from the root, and then you have this basil rosette with lots of leaves, and some of these um, potentially little flower buds on there, which are also exceptionally tasty. Sure. Um, and then you just batter them and fry them whole, and it's kind of like a vegan calamari type deal, where they <laughs> sure. like, like look like little octopus or whatever. Yeah. But you have this nice little tempura vegetable. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's one of the one of the great ways to use these young plants. That and I think I've seen about. you do that before. I think I've seen that on your social media. Or it's delicious. Along those lines, pretty sure I have. Just because I was like, wow, I didn't know you could do. You know, I, I never thought to use it like that. Yeah, either. absolutely. Um, and then from there. So moving down from, yeah, the above ground to the below ground, um, you have the taproot. We don't have any of this in front of us, but, uh, you know, a taproot basically kind of describes the same thing where you have this single root that goes straight down. Um, It will have a few offshoots, um, but um, that's also an edible vegetable as well. So uh, the whole plant, top to bottom, is edible, raw, um, and some people prefer to use the root itself cooked. Uh, you can, there's a variety of ways that you can treat it. A lot of people like to talk about dandelion coffee, yeah, dandelion root that's coffee. The, that's the biggest one I've seen. Yeah. It is one of the, probably the most popular use of that, um, part of the plant. And it, to me, that's kind of debatable on whether it actually tastes like coffee or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it does, it depends on like the type of roasts you prefer or what you expect to be coffee. Um, I think it's kind of more of be- best used as a filler in coffee that you already have or mixed with something else like chicory root, which Mm -hmm. we'll also get to later on in this season, um, which is another really good uh, coffee root supplement as opposed to... Is that one better? I've I've never had that. It has more like chocolatey notes to it. So in my opinion, it resembles coffee a little bit more Mm -hmm. and it's, I think it's more complimentary. Mm -hmm. But um, back to dandelion, the root, uh, you can roast it. So you peel it, you roast it, and then you chop it up in uh, like in a grinder and then you brew it like coffee and that's how one way you can use the root there but um, there's another way you can eat the roots fresh and you basically you steam them and that actually makes the the skin of the surface of the root really easy to peel off so you can get that off of there and uh, continue cooking like you normally would um, and they're actually pretty cooked there I think you steam them for like five minutes five ten minutes in the it should be easy to peel and then you saute them like you treat them like carrots essentially sure and they taste pretty comparable that sounds good yeah. i just had a bunch of carrots last night and i would love to try that with dandelions yeah just roasted carrots are so delicious yeah and it's just you know i feel like dandelions can lend themselves well to that i agree yeah uh, carrots are one of my favorite just regular vegetables for sure so um so all right we're uh, now that we've finished describing the entire plant to you we're going to take a little bit of a break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about um different ways you want to utilize this plant its nutritional value um and yeah we'll be back thank you
we're back. Thanks for putting up with the ads. So let's get on to some of the uh, some more of the anecdotal edible stuff uh, regarding this plant and some of its like nutritional and medical qualities. So um, in general, the uh, plant is high in vitamins A, C, E, K, and also calcium. It's got really good amounts of calcium in it, actually, for for vegans or vegetarians out there. Um, but yeah, what, what about the percentages of the, the nutritional? What? Yeah, just to break it down from a nutritional standpoint, just very simply, um, per 100 grams or three and a half ounces of dandelions, which is about 45 calories, uh, you're dealing with 86% water, 9% carbohydrates, 3% protein, and this is my biggest shock, 1% fat. Yeah, that's really awesome. Like, actually, like not a and not an insignificant source of natural fat. Yeah, and that's then really cool. without getting too granular into it, just phytochemicals in in abundance. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So we won't get too into those names, but yeah, it's just it's super nutritious. Yeah, and you can even uh, so again we, we were mentioning earlier the whole plant is raw, and what we didn't mention earlier was also the seed heads are raw. So even whenever they go to those poofy flower heads that you can just <sighs> blow on and send the seeds across everybody's lawns to perpetuate this plant, um, you can eat those too. Um, you don't necessarily want to eat the floaty the 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 more wispy part, but the seed at the very bottom of it that's actually connected to the head, um, you can just nibble that off. Uh, there's other ways to get it, get it off, but honestly, I just love grabbing a handful and just like biting off the seeds. It's a nice like little crunchy little bit. Um, but some math here on the seeds there and why it's this plant has been able to propagate across the entire planet. Um, you have about 15,000 seeds per plant. Every single plant produces in its lifetime around 15,000 seeds. Um, that means around 200 seeds per flower because each plant can grow up to about 10 flower heads, um, which is just an insane amount of seeds and does not seem like an insignificant amount of nutrition were things to come to that. And yeah. another reason why this was grown as a food plant. I mean, you have 15,000 plants from one plant, like <laughs> potentially. Yeah, I mean, potentially. unbelievable. Yeah, and, and that just goes to show, I mean, you said uh, we talked about a food crop for us because the whole plant's edible, uh, but those seeds that you talked about um, are huge parts of, like, certain birds' uh, nutritional oh, yeah. intake. And, Absolutely. you know, it just it supports lots of, lots of folks and Yeah, entities. a lot of the ecology, yeah. So um, a couple different alternative plants, uh, alternative names that we came up with, with for this plant <laughs> not we came up with but we came across sorry uh there's you know the dan's leonis which is the lion's teeth um you came across an interesting one so. yeah so i guess in in england they call it a pissabed and this is because of the diuretic properties of the of the of the roots in yeah. specific okay so. so be careful with that dandelion root yeah. coffee <laughs> uh, might make the plant true to its english name which is i've never heard that yeah before. that was the new one for me too i, I love it so that was that's that's pretty interesting. Piss a bed. Okay. Um, so, and we we already talked about it. Some of the ways that you can use this plant, um, but I just want to go into a little bit more of the specifics on like what you need to do to uh, roast the root. Um, but basically, you can just put your oven on at its normal standard, like when you turn it on, three hundred fifty degrees, and then you pretty much just roast it till it's crispy. That usually ends up being about thirty forty five minutes. Um, but that's that's how you roast the root for dandelion coffee, and then you grind it up in your typical coffee grinder if you have one, or mortar and pestle if you're old school. Heck yeah! 
Uh, we also have uh, the flowers that I've seen you specifically make into a dandelion wine. Oh, yeah. Which is something I have yet to try. It's delicious, actually. Really underrated drink from yeah. such a common plant. Um, it brings really nice tones to it and can stay pretty sweet. Yeah, and you can use that same flower for uh, to infuse into honey or vinegars or, uh, you know, things like that. I, I have to think it would make probably pretty great salad dressing, maybe oh, yeah. uh, a little bit of some sort of vinegar. I have some, I have a, just a ton at home. And then maybe a little bit of mustard, a little olive oil, salt and pepper. Uh, I might do that tonight. Actually. Preach. Dude, yes. <laughs> That's speaking my language. Um, I've specifically, I've this earlier this year, I collected a ton of um, dandelion heads and then dried them for tea because they also make a really, really good tea. Heck yeah. Um, beyond that, uh, the stock, uh, sometimes you can experience some like bitter tones whenever you're eating this plant raw. And a lot of the times cooking will help subdue that. Sometimes in, in different plants it can make it stronger. So it's sometimes it depends. Um, but dandelions, you definitely want to collect it from... Uh, earlier on in the spring, you'll actually get a little bit more sweetness to bitterness and also shaded areas. Um, so what you what you taste in the bitterness is a lot of the, the nutrition and vitamins that bring that it brings to the table. So whenever you pick a plant that's in full sun, you're actually getting a plant that's a little you're going to find it's more bitter. And that might mean it has more of those minerals and nutrients sure. that you want. But um, a lot of us eat for palatability and so if you're looking for the best tasting plant you should aim for uh, younger species earlier on in the year if possible or earlier on in its life cycle because um, I believe I think dandelions complete like I mean they spread their seeds and then some of those seeds grow within the warm season oh, absolutely. so yeah. they, they kind of sprout up throughout the entire year um, so earlier on in the life cycle um, and in shaded areas are best. Yeah, I, and then I the adverse, if, if what you're looking for is a little bit of bitterness that you can treat and then maybe mm. put in contrast to something, uh, you know, with a lot of, uh, you know, like BLT, dandelion sandwich sure. sounds yeah, I mean, lovely. Yeah, I mean, things where you would look for arugula because, sure. you know, arugula yeah. is a little bitter, but yeah, absolutely. Actually, I wonder if I could sell the Argonaut on that. Like, hey, let's bring some dandelion greens in and throw it on one of our lobster rolls. Or Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's basically a supermarket greens. Now, you yeah. go to Whole Foods and they sell that stuff for $12 a pound sure. or whatever, which is just insane. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the world is kind of coming around full circle on appreciating this really ubiquitous plant um, that everybody has access to. It grows in between the sidewalk cracks, you know. It just, you can't stop the thing. Yeah awesome it's a it's a it's a planet conqueror and that's honestly exactly what it's done so that brings us to the end of our episode um and we just hope this brings a little bit of sunshine into your perspective regarding this super underutilized plant um and we just want to have a few last things to say um i want to say always be sure triple sure that you have the right id on your plant before you feed anybody you love and that should always include yourself and if you love dandelions as much as we love dandelions and you want to share any of that info with us, whether it's uh, a recipe or even something that we may have missed or, or even just a little tidbit that you want to share with the community, um, you can comment on Instagram and you can also find us at Wild Edible World on Discord. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Yep. Thanks for listening. See you next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>